Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode five of Chasing Greeners. Man, Ryan, I can't believe uh, we've gone through five episodes already. Like, this is crazy. But my name's Dante Toro, a.k.a. Dante on Deck. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dante on Deck. And I am, of course, joined by the best co-host in North America, in the United States, Mr. Ryan Sheehan. Ryan, what's up, my man? First of all, I would just like to say I'm flattered to hear that from you. (laughs) Such a GOAT. Um, yeah, I'm 401 Sheehan on Twitter. Uh, I'm Sheehan, part of Chasing Banners podcast, and I'm happy to be back uh, for the fifth episode, the Kevin Garnett episode, the Ooh. big ticket episode. That's so right. we're Pound rolling. Your chest, baby. Pound your chest, baby. Pound the chest, baby. You were for KG, man. I can't believe we're already at episode five. It's like when we first started this, it was just kind of like, you know, let's just do the Celtics podcast, see where it goes. And then every week we put out a new episode, we get more and more uh, hits. Uh, people, you know, we, we love everyone that listens. We appreciate every single one of you. And, uh, bro, I mean, this is just the beginning. This is episode five, but we're going to be at episode 10, episode 15. Before we know it, sooner or later, we'll be, uh, we'll be doing a Paul Pierce tribute one day. <laughs> uh, right, right. Down yeah, the line. We'll be but, there. Man, this is KG's episode today, though, so we'll just focus on that. But, yeah, I mean... We actually have a good amount of stuff to talk about, uh, talk about today, not just Celtic stuff. We'll get into the Celtic stuff uh, in a bit, but I think the first topic that we should really bring up, since it's so new, it's so recent, is this, this whole thing with Kyrie Irving kind of telling the NBA that he doesn't want to go to Orlando, basically using his platform. He is the vice president of the NBA PA, and he wants to give these players a voice that didn't get their voices heard as far as when the voting went on, um, you know, not just with racial equality, but with, you know, the fact that they're going to be in a bubble in Orlando, the risk of injuries, you know, salaries, what it, whatever it may be. So there was this big thing. Uh, there was a big thing that came out. They had a, a huge call with that had, I believe it was 200 or so NBA players. There are guys that spoke up like uh, Carmelo Anthony, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, I saw, said something. Uh, Donovan Mitchell spoke up as well, but it was kind of misinterpreted what he said. People were thinking that it was about the whole um, the whole racial equality part of it, but it was actually his concern about being injured. So he, his that quote kind of uh, got a little mixed up there in the bunch. But um, I really didn't want to speak on it uh, right away on my Twitter account, especially because I didn't want to say something that would upset people with my opinion and I also want to get all the facts straight before you know speaking on this and basically this is what I'm going to say about all this and Austin Rivers posted this on his Instagram to me it is like taking the words out of mouth to me it is a perfect response to all this so I'm just gonna I'm not gonna read the entire thing I'm just gonna kind of give bullet points and that's gonna be my point and Ryan when I'm done with this you can you can piggyback off me and just uh, add your two cents in on it Basically, what Austin Rivers was saying that he was confused trying to find the correlation between uh, coming back and playing and the racial equality because coming back to the NBA means these NBA players will once again be able to start putting money in their pockets. Um, And with this money that they make, uh, you could go out and help more people and continue to give more, give more importantly, your time and your energy towards the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's 100% with Austin Rivers, I'm 100% on board with what Kyrie's saying as far as wanting to, because basically his concern was that going back to basketball will put a halt on these protests and being able to voice your opinions. And what Austin Rivers is saying is that 
change needs to happen and justice has been going for so long, but there are plenty of NBA players. They need paychecks. I mean, Kyrie Irving is saying that he'll risk everything to, for social reform, which I respect, respect so much, especially coming from someone that has such a high platform like Kyrie. But 99% of these players don't make the money. They don't have the shoe deals. They don't have the sponsorships like people like Kyrie does. And Austin Rivers says NBA basketball is predominantly African-American and so is a majority of the audience. Um, him, he believes that providing entertainment and hope for kids is important because keeping kids indoors and watching basketball games on TV prevents them from maybe going out and getting into trouble due to the unfair, unequal environments that a lot of African-American kids are placed in. And that's important to talk about. It's important to note. Um, it's not saying that basketball is a cure uh, for that, but basketball can maybe provide a distraction of what's going on in the world. And on another note, um, if the NBA players, if the NBA decides not to hold the season, we've talked about this, they'd lose upwards of $900 million just from the playoffs. And not only does that affect, you know, now players getting paid, it affects you're not going to get paid with TV money. And basically the NBA can scrap the entire CBA and they'd have all the leverage when they discuss a new one, which would they'd probably have to do next year. And it would put the NBA, it would put the NBA behind. It actually could like literally literally prevent next season being played. That's how serious this could be. Um, and he goes on to finish. He goes, I love Kyrie's passion towards helping his movement. It's admirable, inspiring, and I'm with it. And I 100% agree with that. But in the right way and not at the cost of the whole NBA and these players' careers. You can do both. We can play and we can help change the way black lives are lived. Um, canceling or boycotting the return doesn't do that, in my opinion. Guys want to play and provide and help change. So... That's what Austin Rivers said, and kind of just like giving an another quick thing is, I understand what Kyrie's saying, you know, these players being in a bubble, them not being able to protest, do all these things. I don't, Adam Silver is the best commissioner in sports, and he would 100 million thousand percent allow players to, to protest or to um, use their platform, use the NBA's platform to provide uh, change for social equality, for racial inequality in any way possible. He'll allow them, whether it's wearing shirts, giving uh, speeches before and after a game. Just Adam Silver would allow these players to do whatever they wanted to continue that pro to continue this movement. Like that's not something that would be put on hold just because the NBA season comes back. So I understand what Kyrie's trying to say. I just don't believe that is the right way of doing it. And Oscar said it best. There's so many players that would get put at risk for this and, you know, affecting their careers, their paychecks, because player, a lot of players need that money. So that's my two cents. I agree wholeheartedly with Austin Rivers. But uh, Ryan, what, what are your thoughts? Uh, to start off, Dante, I have to agree with you. Uh, talking about the topic, it's kind of hard to give your opinion on it because you don't want to offend people. You don't want to send people off the wrong way. And it, it's exactly the same way. I personally, like, I would love to see it come back. Uh, I actually put out a tweet on the Chasing Banners podcast Twitter today asking the fans if they would like to see the NBA return. And I quickly answered it with 100%. And then I quickly deleted it because I didn't like what I said. And I thought about it. And I said, that is mm -hmm. a very bad way of going about it. I need to actually think about it and actually see what's going on and listen to people. So mm -hmm. I can't even – I was quick to make a judgment, which I was wrong for, but it's it's something that I actually agree with Austin Rivers with. 
I sent this post to you this morning. The first time I saw it, I was like, this is perfect. Like, mm -hmm. this is going to be a great talking point to bring up because I think Austin Rivers so far has said it best. Like, yes, Kyrie, and yes, Steven Jackson and all those guys. Yes, it is the focus right now of having to focus on the social injustices and everything like that. But sports and basketball in general, basketball has been gone for so long. Like, people really need that back, and people have really – been feeling to need that back because it's it's a time for healing like basketball mm -hmm. does that for people and i agree with austin rivers 100 you can still play basketball and still make an impact on this yeah. movement it doesn't mm -hmm. mean that you got to completely stop doing it that's not what we're saying it's not you go back to basketball that's all we want you to do mm -hmm. we now now the nba also wants you to be involved in the community that much it's it's something like it wouldn't be an issue. It, it, you said it yeah. again. Adam Silver would a million, a thousand, hundred, infinity percent, <laughs> like be on board with yeah. that. There's no Absolutely. doubt. But I don't, I don't see not bringing M the NBA back this season really helping with that other side. I, I truly believe we need the NBA back. We can also fight the injustices while having the NBA back. And I, I might not be able to understand that side to why I don't want the NBA to come back. But I also believe it's something that the people really need right now, not even the people, but also NBA players. So it's, it's, it's just, I think, I think it, it does need to come back. And also if it doesn't, it's again, what uh, you said, it could really set back the NBA. Like it, it could be a big step back instead of a step forward. And it could really, really, really threaten next season. So I wouldn't want to see this one occurrence leading down the road for the NBA having a major step back. I mean, I know it's the NBA. It's one of the biggest leagues in the world, but it doesn't mean a big league can't take a step back. Yeah. You know, absolutely. And, and kind of going off of that too. I mean, we kind of said this, if it was someone like, let's say LeBron James is the one saying these things, maybe it would be a little different. Maybe the NBA would handle it differently. I mean, who knows? The NBA really hasn't done much about it since then. I don't know if they're going to um, make any changes. I know there's other things that were discussed, like uh, being players being stuck in the bubble for so long, um, not seeing their families, um, injury risk. And those, of course, those are all very real concerns. But so we're going to stick to the racial equality part here the racial inequality part and LeBron James, he didn't attend the phone call. He attended the, the call with Kyrie Irving, which was led by Kyrie um, because he believes that he can make an impact on the black lives matter movement while returning to the NBA. And I, I mean, I, I that's why I don't really understand. Like I, I understand what Kyrie's trying to say in a way, but at the same time, it's like the NBA would give you such a major platform to continue to make an impact on that movement. Like just because you aren't protesting in the streets doesn't mean you can't make an impact in other ways. And Adam Silver would allow them to do that. The league would have no issue with that. All I mean, basically, most of the elite players, all of them, I think Kevin Durant was really the only like elite, elite player that was on that call. So it's like, I think these top-tier players understand that they can still make an impact while the season goes on. And I believe Jalen Brown will be a player that continues to do the work with the community while he's also playing in Orlando. Mm -hmm. I believe he's going to do that. And I believe, and I believe Jalen Brown can become the face of doing that. If he is able to show that he can also still stay as active as he is right now in this fight 
and still be able to play basketball, then he can be the face of a model that all these players could take after. I feel like Jalen Brown could step up and become a guy like that. You know, I I would love to see that. I would love to see that. I believe in, I honestly believe in Jalen Brown, be able to do anything. Like if I could see, if I saw Jalen Brown doing that, I wouldn't be shocked. And I hope he does. And we've talked about this in the past. Like, bro, like ever, if we ever one day, like we ever had to get a sit down conversation with Jalen Brown, like just whatever, a podcast, a TV, what, anything, an interview. The basketball would be the last thing I talk to him about. I just want yeah, to talk same, to him about just, just life and the world and his thoughts and his opinions on like how he can change the world, how we can change the world. Like he is just like Brad Stevens said it. His impact is going to be greater off the court when it's all said and done and it will be on the court. And that says something because Jalen Brown, he's going to be a special player, but man, he is a, a even more special human being. So I think you're right. Jalen Brown, uh, he's kind of, he's going to be one of the, the main figureheads um, as far as p- players being able to make an impact while the NBA returns. So let's kind of get away from that topic and let's just kind of talk about, you know, the NBA returning. Cause right now the NBA is still set to return on July 30th. Um, and the NBA actually came out with these new rules. So typically when the playoffs start, you have a 15 man roster. If you have guys on two way contracts, they can't, uh, they I, technically they can be with the team, but they can't play. Um, unless you convert their contracts to full-time contracts. And of course that would mean you have to cut someone and have to deal with that roster situation. But now the NBA is allowing teams to have 17 roster spots because players, I mean, now there's a risk of players getting sick. There's a risk of players getting injured and these teams should have extra roster spots just in case something like that happens. So when this news came out, people, I mean, right away, we're thinking two way. We're thinking Tremont Waters. We're thinking Taco Fall. I mean, those guys, fan favorites in Boston, especially Taco Fall. We don't, we don't even have to get into that. Taco Fall was hitting turnaround step back threes the other day, which is, oh my gosh, I, I, I lost my mind when I saw that. The Taco Fall is going to start hitting threes over people, bro. Like, there's nothing that he can't do. Uh, right. Tremont, Tremont Waters is, I think he deserves, I think he should be the backup point guard or at least one of the main top guards coming off the bench for the Celtics next year because I think he provides such a, and energy and he just makes a difference on the court and he reminds me of a, a Shane Larkin for what he was on our team a few years ago but I think he can be better than Shane Larkin uh, no offense Shane Larkin because I know he's lighting it up in the EuroLeague um, but there's also other options teams can sign free agents teams can sign players they met that they may not have played this past year but they if they were under contract in the past two years they're eligible Jamal Crawford J.R. Smith Guys like Isaiah Thomas, DeMarcus Cousins, all these guys are going to be available to sign. So I already have uh, – I'm pretty vocal on Twitter as far as who I want to come back. Uh, I've always advocated for Isaiah Thomas to return to the Celtics, and I think having him on the roster, he wouldn't play. I don't think he would play at all. But just having that presence and having that veteran leadership in the locker room would be so great for this team. I think you know he's just a player that – Team, a team would love to have around, especially the Celtics. He knows the coach. Him and Jalen Brown are very good friends. Like I think he would just be a great locker room guy. Um, so Ryan, I mean, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on this too. So the whole, let's say, the two way. Let's take out the two way part. If you were to pick any free agents to put on those last two roster spots, who would you go with and why? Hmm, I feel like Isaiah Thomas, of course, would be a very good option. 
Uh, just because IT, again, I feel like we're always going to be saying the same thing. <laughs> IT, can bring that, <laughs> IT can bring that veteran leadership to the bench. Yeah. And if he doesn't play, his voice in that locker room is going to be bigger than his play on the court. So if he can bring that and, and, and give the Celtics that kind of energy, then that would be perfect to this team. I feel like the Celtics are, are missing a veteran guy who can really talk to him about that stuff, who's been able to lead a team like that and been there. Uh, yeah. So if I if IT can come in and give that moral support, then I'd be all about it. I know ja, um, Jamal Crawford is a notable name that's still there. I don't know if it would really be worth it to sign him. Uh, he'd kind of just be like the score off the bench, but I feel there is still better options available even on the mm-hmm. team that exists. Um, Boogie Cousins, I don't even really feel is really worth the risk just because not because of who he is and the player that he is because he is a unreal player. It's just his injuries just stack, 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 and stack. Mm-hmm. So, And it just seems like he hasn't been able to get a break. To fill one of those last two roster spots, it's a very interesting name that I saw the other day and it really started making me think about it. We've always been talking about Tremont Waters, obviously. Mm-hmm. We've been talking about Taco Fall, obviously, coming up from the G League. But why is it that Bryce Brown hasn't been talked about very much, averaging 16.1 points per game this season? Spicy, on, on Spicy. 40, I like on it. On 42% mm-hmm. three from three, 43% from the field. Uh, he is also averaging, uh, what is it, almost a steal a game, 2.4 assists per game. And a little bit all over the place, free throw is 72%. But the thing that really stands out to me is his scoring. So why is it that Bryce Brown hasn't really been talked about? It's This guy seems to be a very big scorer for the Red Claws. He's one of their best players. And it really hasn't seemed like he hasn't been given the chance to be talked about. So why don't we start talking about Bryce Brown? We might not need Taco Fall. If we bring out two G League guys instead of a G League and a free agent, why don't mm-hmm. we consider Tremont Waters and Bryce Brown? And mm. then that would make the team better. I love that. I love that you brought him up because he shoots 8.73s a game, shoots 40, has a 42%, 42.4% uh, mark from the three-point percentage. I mean, listen, the guy can score. The guy can get a bucket when you need to get a bucket. And it's a low-cost thing. You don't have to worry about going out and signing anyone. You just call him up. I actually really like that you brought that up because he is someone that, you know, you know, obviously at this point, whoever, if you were, were, the Celtics are going to fill those two roster spots. I mean, there's really no reason not to. I mean, you might as well have extra insurance there. So it's like, why not? Sure. These guys might not play that much because you already have the rotation set. You already know who's going to be playing. Even once the playoffs start, you already cut that rotation down to eight, nine maybe 10 people anyways, depending on what Brad Stevens does. Also, depending on matchups, like some of probably wouldn't play every playoff series. He'd probably play against the Bucks if we got that far because he's could guard Giannis or, you know, can is one of the only guys on our team that can somewhat contain him to whatever we can contain Giannis to. Um, but even having someone like Bryce Brown, like, listen, like we need to put someone in that could shoot threes. I mean, I'm not looking at the percentages right now, but I can tell you Bryce Brown would probably be one of the best three-point shooters on the team with that percentage. Like, that's someone the Celtics, I've wanted the Celtics to have all year, just a consistent three-point shooter, just someone that could come in, knock down a few shots, and, you know, and 
that's it. You, you can sub him back out. Bryce Brown might not. I mean, it's not. It's there's no risk in it. You call him up. We're in a regular season game. We're in a playoff game. We need someone to come in and get buckets. Hey, come in and try to hit two three threes for us. He he could probably be like I look. I've seeing his highlights. I've watched his highlights before. Seeing his percentages, he's a guy that could do that. So I, I'm I'm yeah. That's that's a really good. Uh, that was a really good observation, Shannon. There's a lot of names that have not been discussed, and I saw that name come up the other day, and I was like, wow, like this guy does not get talked about. Then I started looking at his numbers, and I'm like, we need a scorer off the bench. Mm-hmm. We need energy, and that's something the bench has really been missing. Yeah. So why not consider him? I like so. that. And like, and like we're talking about free agents like Isaiah Thomas. These are more these are more like happy hypothetical thoughts. The Celtics are most likely just going to call up G League players. Um, just like I said earlier, like whoever we spring up for those last two roster starts aren't gonna play anyways. It'll probably just be much easier to bring up guys that have been surrounding have been around the team for most of the year, like Taco. They were they the two way contracts uh, allow you to be with the team for forty five days. So they practice with the team. They they're all familiar with each other. That's probably what's going to happen. They're probably going to call up guys like Tremont Taco, but it would be very interesting if they called up Bryce Brown, and I would not be upset if they did. So great point, you know, actually, I love, I love that you brought him up. So let's jump into something else. Let's jump into another Celtics player, something that I know we're going to be very vocal about here. So a few days ago, these odds came out for – who's going to win defensive player of the year. Such a blasphemous I, list. I, I, such I a already, blasphemous list. This I is already, such a BS <laughs> list. I already saw you shaking your head, Sheehan. I know. Listen, let me get through this. Let me get through this, and the floor is going to be all yours. Right now, we got, we got the list. Giannis Antetokounmpo leads the way, and I'm going to make this very clear. I believe that Giannis Antetokounmpo is and should win the defensive player of the year uh, award. It's because he's got long-ass arms. That's why. Him... He's going to win the MVP, too. He's going to be the third player to ever win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year in the same season, besides Michael Jordan and Akeem Olajuwon. Like, he just had such an amazing season. The Bucs had the best record in the NBA, one of the best defensive ratings. Giannis probably deserves to win that. That's going to be my vote. Then you got Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert, Patrick Beverly, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard, then Marcus Smart. Now, here is my issue. Here's my issue. When it comes to defensive player of the year voting, not just Marcus Smart, especially. Marcus Smart gets shafted every year when it comes to defensive player of the year voting. He, he made the all-defensive first team last year, which was amazing. He did not get enough credit. He should have been at least a top four. He should have been top three in voting last year. This year, all year long, Pete played about Gary Payton advocated for it. Dwayne Wade advocated for it. Marcus Smart should be a top defensive player of the year contender. But yet he's below guys like Patrick Beverly, Joel Embiid, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard is an elite defender, but he set out a good amount of games this year. Rudy Gobert, I mean, Rudy Gobert is Rudy Gobert, but I don't think, I don't know. I, I'm not really the biggest, I don't really hype up Rudy Gobert as much as other people do. It's just, the thing with Marcus Smart is that he just does things. If you don't, you, you don't understand what he does unless you watch Celtics games. And I feel like that's the biggest issue with people when it comes to the voting like this. They don't watch him. They don't understand the impact that someone like Marcus Smart has on the floor. The Boston Celtics have the fourth best defensive rating in the NBA this year. And considering coming off of last year where we lost Al Horford, Aaron Baines, 
even someone like Marcus Morris that were, you know, dogs or that were just very good on defense. People thought we were going to suck on defense this year, but yet we have the fourth best defensive rating. And that says a lot about the team. That says a lot about someone like Marcus Smart because Marcus Smart, he can guard positions one through five. Brad Stevens can, hey, go out there and guard their center. Go out there and guard the team's best player. And he'll do that. There are so many clips. There's just so many highlights of Marcus Smart and his defensive his defensive prowess, like just everything he does is just, he does it with heart. He, he literally would dive on the floor for a loose ball. The game could be tied 2-2. The game just started. He'll weigh his body out to get that ball, to get that extra possession. Like that's just who he is. And Marcus Smart is just, not just Marcus Smart. I feel like guards as a whole just get completely disrespected. disrespected. And I have this stat too. The last guards, everyone defensive player of the year, was Gary Payton in 1996. And there have only been five guards in NBA history to win the award since it came out in 1983. And three of those guards were literally within the first five, ten years that the award came out. Guards do not get as much respect. And another thing that shook me about this, not shook me, but like right away when I didn't see these names or even when I saw Patrick Beverly above Marcus Smart and guys weren't ahead of him, listen, I'm not saying Marcus Smart is one of the best defensive guards in the year. But Patrick Beverly shouldn't be ahead of him. If it was someone like Ben Simmons, I, I listen. I talk my trash about Ben Simmons. I, the guy can't shoot for shit, but like he's an elite defender. He deserves to be on that list higher than Patrick Beverly at the very minimum. I would have no issue if he was above Marcus Smart because I understand. I watch basketball, and as much as I'm not the biggest fan of Ben Simmons, I know he's an elite defender. And another name, Drew Holiday. He's been an elite defender for a long ass time, and he never gets credit too. So it pisses me off that guys like that just don't get enough respect. It's always given to forwards. It's always given to centers. And I get it. They have the defensive rebounding stats. They have higher block numbers. They might even have higher steal numbers because they're more, they're in the center of the court. They're the defensive anchors. But at the same time, guards can be that too. Marcus Smart is the defensive anchor for the Boston Celtics. And he does not deserve to be that low on that list. Patrick Beverly is a fake tough guy. I'm not saying he's a bad defender by any means, but listen, he's more of a guy that just gets into your head and it's just like a pesk. He's not an elite defender. Marcus Smart is. <sighs> Sheehan, I'm out of breath. Take it over, man. I know you got a lot to say. Take it over. I just want to say, first of all, Marcus Smart is just a clearly a better defender than Pat Beverly. I don't even care. Like yeah. almost everyone, almost everyone on that list, he's a better defender. I do not care. Mm-hmm. Maybe even Giannis. Like I know Giannis gets like a bunch of blocks a game, everything like that. But Marcus Smart's almost like what a foot shorter than him. Yeah, like, and that's uh, and, yeah. And to go back, like you have to look over pound for pound. Marcus Smart's six foot three, six foot four, and he can guard positions one through five. Like one Mark, through five. Pat, show me a guard. Who, do that. Show me a guard who guards one through five so goddamn consistently. Yeah. So consistently, man. I can. I How can. I can. I just. I'm so. Marcus Smart is clearly one of my favorite players all time. My favorite player right now. I just do not understand how every damn year you look at Marcus Smart, how he plays, the impact that he makes on the game. Every game he makes a winning play. He turns the game around. And you say, no, he's not good enough. He is the best defender in the league. I do not care what anyone says to me. I don't care if you're 8 foot 10, averaging 20 blocks per game. Marcus Smart's still going to be a better defender than you. Marcus Smart is the best defender in the league. 
I'm so sick of him getting so disrespected. And guards in general, there has been many guards over the years where I say, wow, he's the best defender in the league. If he doesn't win Defensive Player of the Year this year, it's BS. And I've watched it. They just give it to the biggest guy every time. I'm so sick of it. It's not just about blocks. It's not. It's not about just standing at the rim, getting your arms up. Sick. My guy's six foot four. He's blocking seven foot one guys. What the that hell are you talking Jar- about? That block on Jared Allen at the rim, one of the best blocks Thank of the you. year. Thank you. Thank you. I don't care anymore, man. It's getting absolutely ridiculous. Marcus Smart, I'm saying it again, is the best defender in the league. Give my man some damn respect. Honestly, I've never seen a guard play defense like him. He does above and beyond everything. 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 I'm not, I, I'm not even kidding. Every game I sit there, every game I sit there, holy shit, Marcus Smart just made another winning play. That's all this guy does is winning plays. I, mm-hmm. I Even though he does have, like, his little mishaps here and there, Who all this guy... All this guy does is make winning plays. That's it. That's We're, it. You're, I just don't know. Like, he doesn't – he guards one through five perfectly. He does everything. He's literally the best – like, you hear it from the best players in the league. He's consistently one of the best defenders in the league. Year after year, you're still putting him that low on the list? This guy yes. gets no respect. The guy gets yeah. no respect. And, Dante, you're right. You really do have to watch Celtics games almost every game to really understand this because that's really the issue right now. It's it's a lack of people just uh, like looking at him, like actually realizing and watching him sitting down and wanting to listen what people are saying about him because it's it's getting ridiculous at this point. There's no way a guy like Marcus Smart should be screwed over every year. That's it. I'm done. Hey guys, it took us five episodes. We finally got our first Sheehan ran. No, oh, oh my God, yeah, that was the first one. <laughs> Jeez, man, give hey, me something I'm listen, so passionate you, about, man, and you, I'll go off. For when it. they give us a reason to, man, that's just how it is. And I'm kind of going. This is why I think the voting system is kind of flawed in the NBA because I feel like there are people that vote. Like I said, they don't watch every NBA game. They don't watch Celtics games. I'm gonna take you back a few years ago. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, jog your memory here, uh, Ryan. Remember when Devin Booker came in and he dropped 70 points on us a few I years ago? Yep, so I do remember game, that. I also that. remember the Suns kept calling timeouts to get him more points. Yeah, yeah I remember all so that. We can, we, can, we can talk about how it was overrated, this and that. But the point I'm trying to say here is when Avery Bradley was in Boston, he was one of the best on-ball defenders, if not the best on-ball defender in the NBA. I mean, not for nothing, he still is a pretty – I wouldn't put him on the elite level, but he is a still a pretty damn good defender in L.A. It just pisses me off that he's on the Lakers. But that's another thing. But, so, voting that year. Avery Bradley, I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't want to say anything wrong. But he got screwed over in the voting. Whether or not he made the second team where he should have made the first. Or he didn't make the team he should have made at least made a second team. Uh, it was one of the two. I don't remember at the top of my head right now. But what I do remember is that a certain NBA analyst, uh, Mr. Chris Bouchard, said that he wasn't going to vote for Avery Bradley because Devin Booker scored 70 points on him. Now, for people that don't know, Dummy. Avery Bradley didn't play that game. He was out. It was actually Marcus Smart that took the bulk of the defensive uh, responsibility on Devin Booker that night. So right there, that shows you how these NBA analysts legitimately sometimes don't know what the hell they're talking about, and they just say these things like, 
oh, Devin Booker's a shooting guard. Avery Bradley's a shooting guard on the Celtics. Avery Bradley allowed 70 points get dropped on him. No stupid. Avery Bradley didn't play that game. If you actually watch or even look at the, the, the damn box score, you know that. We had people like that voting for these awards, and that's it's been flawed for a few years now. And I mean, seeing a, a vote, seeing these odds, seeing a, this list, like it just shows that, man, p- these analysts sometimes they just don't know what they're talking about, man. They just don't watch every NBA game. They don't understand the impact that players like Marcus Smart have. And it pisses me off, not just for Marcus Smart. It pisses me off that guards as a whole get disrespected. Like you're saying Marcus Smart's the best defender in the league. And I understand that you, you make the argument and I hear the argument and I'm not going to disagree with that. I believe there are a few better defenders than him, but Marcus Smart should be treated as the best defender in the league. He should get that respect of being on the same level as guys like Giannis, Anthony Davis, Rudy Gobert. He should be in those same, in that same tier as those guys. But for some reason, since he doesn't put up 20 points a game, since he, he's not in any other race for any other awards, people think, oh, no, he, doesn't, he, he shouldn't get any votes. No, man, you, you just got to watch the games. You got to understand what Marcus Smart brings to the table. And unfortunately, people just don't see that as much as we do. I do not apologize for my rant. No, you, you shouldn't. Even, no, you should not I, I don't. And, and this is something that I've also been consistently talking about with my friends all year. Marcus Smart is slowly becoming one of the better two-way players in the league right in front of our eyes he has become a better scorer his offense as a whole this year has just taken off I mean last year last year I really noticed that he really stepped up his game because I I feel like like his mom passed away so I feel like he had a little bit extra motivation for that and that's where I really started to notice like his game was stepping up now this year it's just he's just going off like I, I've just yeah. noticed his offense. His offense is just getting better. And along with his defense, which we already know about, he could become a guy like Danny Green. Like Danny Green, we were talking about a few years ago, or even we could still talk about it now. He was a solid two-way guy. Like he's a guy that you could rely on and everything like that. And he was a solid championship, like fourth guy, like on the yeah. Toronto Raptors. So I, what I've seen from Marcus Smart is he's slowly becoming one of those guys where he's not like a – it, like a top two way player, but he's like right he's below a, it in that, in that kind he's of tier. Yeah. Yes, he's a very respectable two way player, and that's what I believe is coming uh, from Marcus Smart. And, and every year his offense gets better. And speaking of, I mean, this is kind of coincidental, but speaking of Devin Booker, he actually hit more three pointers than Devin Booker this year. And his percentages from three, I believe, I'm going to look it up right now. I'm pretty sure he shot um, 36% from three this year. I mean, that's a pretty respectable mark considering, you know, the way he's been, he shot. Yeah. All right. So his, he shot 35% from the field from three this year. And each year it's like, besides his rookie year, it's just, they progressively get better. Last year was 36%. So it went down 0.1%. Yeah. I mean, that's not really that much of a difference there, but his points go up. I mean, he's averaging the most points this season at 13.5. He's an elite defender. He's becoming his passing. That, his passing, his passing is really taking off too. Him, him and Gordon Hayward, I believe, are the two best playmakers on the team. Even though Kemba Walker is the point guard, I think those two guys are honestly the best playmakers. Um, but yeah, man, it's just like Marcus Smart, just his progression from when he first came to Boston to now, it's like he's smartened up. Does he have his moments where he takes shots where it's like, of course, there's always going to be those 
oh no, oh no, oh no, and then he hits. Yeah. It. Oh my gosh! Like are you, Mar- that's just a Marcus Smart thing. That's just that's the Marcus Smart experience. Like that's what you got to live with. But the, you get that, you'll get those moments. But you're also gonna get ten times more game moments where he makes game winning plays, where he lays his body out, and that's what makes someone so respectful. And I, I, I was on podcast yesterday, and we were talking about this like. It's hard for me to say that I would – I don't think – there's not many players that I would trade Marcus Smart for because that what Marcus Smart brings to the team, he brings something that, like, you really can't teach. Like, he can tell guys to hustle. He can tell guys to have the same mentality as him, but that just doesn't come overnight. Like, that's just something Marcus Smart has always had in him, and that's the type of player that you want on – you need – on a championship team. You need Correct. someone like Correct. that. Like every team needs a dog. Every team needs someone that comes in, gets the team hyped up, dives for those loose balls. Like I said, the game. Dennis Rahman, Draymond Green. You look those back guys, at all the teams, all the good teams. Yeah. They have that dog in them. And Marcus Smart's up, that dog. They don't put up sexy numbers. Like, but at the same time, they do what they need to do to make the team successful. And the Celtics were so successful this year. They exceeded a lot of expectations, not just because of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum making the jump, which they did, and and then some. Gordon Hayward recovering from his injury. He, he had injuries throughout the year, but he came back looking much better than he did last year. Marcus Smart showing that he's a much smarter player now, that he can not only we can rely on him on defense, guarding one through five, but he could actually light it up. On, he had 11 threes one game this past year. Like We can rely on him to start making shots like that and being someone that can go out there and give us maybe 15 points a night. Like Marcus Smart has just gone so much better as his time has gone on in Boston. And this is his sixth year in Boston will be seven years uh, next year. And man, I wouldn't change any, I wouldn't change it for anything. And I don't, I really can't think of many people that I would trade him for if any at all, to be quite honest with you. I mean, the point that we made was, would you trade Marcus Smart in a draft pick to move up? to let's say you get someone like James Wiseman. I know he's a top prospect, but just hypothetically. And I think about that. I'm like, dude, like James Wiseman, I think, do I think he's going to be a stud one day? Yeah, I think he's going to be very, very good. But you don't know that right now. Right now, he's a prospect. We know what Marcus Smart brings. He's not, he might not put up 20 points a game. James, James, James Wiseman might one day. But Marcus Smart, we know what he brings. And he has that 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 ferociousness he has that dog mentality that you just can't teach and that's just so important to have on a team and it's what that's someone you don't want to get rid of he is a boston celtic you think of boston celtics players he is the perfect description like kevin garnett we won that of, of course he was a superstar still but kevin garnett was even that dog of that celtics team And again, you need that dog on your team. You look at championship teams, man, they all have that dog in them. And Marcus Smart, I believe, like, I, this is why, like, I think you can't ever trade him because I believe he's so important to the team because of everything he does and the mentality he brings and the toughness and everything he Mm -hmm. does for that team is something that every team needs. And I never want him on another team because I never want to look at that team and say, damn, they won with Marcus Smart. Because yeah. they needed a Marcus Smart. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. Marcus Smart was the very first Celtics jersey, like legit Celtics jersey I ever bought. I would never buy real jerseys uh, because I would always be afraid of Danny Ainge trading that player. Like a month after I bought the jersey, I'd be like, damn, I'm out $100 now. Marcus Smart was the very first jersey I bought, and it was when he was a rookie. 
that's how much I love him, bro. Like this guy just means so much to Boston and I want him to be a Celtic for life. Like he's just not, I, I cannot, you, I mean, we say this, I mean, you could say this about so many players, but I just cannot imagine Marcus Smart in any jersey beside a Boston Celtics one. I, I just can't. And it would pain me if he ever did wear, if he ever did put on another jersey that wasn't, that wasn't the Celtics green, man. I, I just, I don't know. I just can't see it. I don't want it to happen. I can never, I, oh, if Danny Ainge ever did that, man, that's the one thing. I don't know if I'd be able to forgive him for it. Out of everyone, though, Danny Ainge should be able to understand not to trade him. If he if he could have done it, he would have done it by now, I think. Danny Ainge and Marcus Smart are very similar guys. Yes. Both grit, yes. grit and grind, hustle and heart, all that stuff. Listen, Danny Ainge they, should be able to understand if he if they want to win, he needs to keep Marcus Smart. People have questioned Danny Ainge in the past as far as not making moves for superstars, but that's what being patient's all about. We didn't trade any of those Brooklyn picks, and we got Jalen and Jason out of it. People wanted to trade both of those guys for Anthony Davis this past offseason. I thought it was the stupidest thing in the world because why would you trade two young guys on the up on, on the come up for a guy that's going to leave after one year? And look, he didn't trade them. People were pissed at him, and look how well they played this year. Marcus Smartman, Danny Ainge knows. He knows what he brings to the table. He knows how important he is to the team. And I think, too, not only would it upset fans like us, but I think – it would really leave a bad taste in the locker room and, and a lot of those players' mouths if they lost someone like Marcus Smart. Because he is a locker room leader. He is just – he's someone – A Boston needs, Celtic. He just needs – that's someone you want on a championship team. So going off uh, – we'll, we'll kind of stop talking about Marcus Smart here. I think we, uh, I think we got our Marcus Smart fix in for the episode. So one, the last topic we're going to talk about is – and this is actually pretty interesting. I mean – Coming from Brian Scalabrine, it doesn't really just surprise me because he is a green teamer. He covers the Boston Celtics. He is a former champion for the Boston Celtics. He was on the 2008 championship team. He says that Jason Tatum is a top 10 player in the league at the moment. And I understand where he's coming from in the sense that from the months of January to when the season ended, his statistics show, I mean, he was playing like a top 10 player. I mean, you can even argue he was playing like a top five player. I mean, he was up there with the elite like he was up there with the the top tier guys as far as his productivity like just his productivity how much he was putting out uh his percentages were unreal like he was just one of the best players in the league during that few months span but i have to disagree with ryan scalabrini i can i have i already have a, a 10 top 10 list right in front of me right now that i'll read off of players that i think are better than jason tatum granted a few of these guys were injured this past year but i mean Overall, they're they're better than Jason Tatum. So I have Giannis, LeBron, Kawhi, Kevin Durant, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Jokic, Steph Curry, Kyrie Irving. Um, Kyrie Irving's Kyrie Irving, but he's still an amazing talent. And James Harden. That's in no order as like as far as my top ten players in the league is. But those guys, I mean, you could list off a bunch of other people as well. Um, I can think of ten players right off the bat of who's better than Jason Tatum. That being said, I do believe that he is a top 15 player. I think he's right around that 15 range, like between 15, 16, like 17, maybe at the lowest. I think that's where he's at. And the reason why he's not higher than that is because yeah, from January to March, he had phenomenal shoot phenomenal. Isn't even the word. He just had just an unreal run, but he needs to do that consistently before he gets considered being a top 10 player. If, the playoff, the, the the season comes back and the playoffs start, and he continues and he puts up numbers like he was. 
man, he's going to, it's, people are going to start thinking that he's going to be a top 10 player, like right at that, like at the edge of being a top 10 player. I just think he has to prove a little bit more. He's still so young. Yeah, he averaged nearly 24 points a game this season, but this was the first season where he averaged those types of numbers. So he needs to keep doing this. Next year, this happens. I, I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna be the one arguing that he's gonna be a top 10 player in the league. But uh, right now, I cannot say that. So Ryan, if you were to put Jason Tatum anywhere on the rankings of NBA player current NBA players, where would you put him? Like I said, I would put him probably between 15 and 17. But I'm curious to hear where you would put him on your list. I'd put him between like, fifth, yeah, between fifteen and twenty because I think that's where he belongs. He def, I, in my opinion, he's definitely a top twenty player. And if you mm-hmm. watch Easily, consist, yes. consistent mm-hmm. basketball, yes. he's top yes. twenty. Um, and it's really like, if you put him above like Siakam, Simmons, like those guys are really kind of interchangeable the way they play. So mm-hmm. and their impact. So, yeah, no, it's like. It's just like what you said, like Tatum is in that 15 to 17. I have him between 15 and 20 because I, I'm just extending a little more. I think there's a couple more guys we can throw in there that could yeah. be better than him. But yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, I, I was just going to say, we just, it January to when the end of the season is just like not enough time to say he's a top 10 player. I mean, like he went on a, on a historical run for the Celtics, which he yeah. did. And he was in a list of guys that – very few guys and legendary players for the Celtics. But he's like, you need more time than two months. And if he can consistently do that all next season, like he's putting up like 25 a game and all that stuff, then, yeah, he's a top 10 player. But right now we don't even have enough evidence to say that. We've seen like guys – like we saw Jeremy Lin like <laughs> when yeah. he was like – and is like going off on his well, run insanity. and everyone thought yeah. he was going to be like a top point guard or something. And like, mm-hmm. he just fell off. I'm not saying Tatum's going to be Jeremy Lin. I'm just saying like, you yeah. can't just use one. You just can't use a certain amount of time within those months and say they're going to be that good. But Absolutely. if T- yeah. Tatum's consistent on next year with this, yeah, he's a top 10 player. It's just like right now we can't say he is. Yeah. And then you think of other guys too. Like, I mean, Luka Doncic was averaging nearly 30, 10 and 10. And it's his second year in the league. I mean, his his usage rate is much higher than Jace Tatum, so I mean that's that's I'm not saying I love Luka Doncic is one of the best young players. He might already be a top ten player in the league already. But you got Russell Westbrook too. You got you could argue guys like Paul Donovan George, Mitchell, Jimmy Butler, Paul George. Um, I mean even Devin Booker, Carl Anthony Towns, like Joel. I mean Joel Embiid. I mean you got Pascal Siakam, and the list can go on. Like there's so many guys that you can think of that could be ahead of Tatum. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that those guys are. Some of them absolutely are. But it's just that he needs more time to prove that he can consistently put up those numbers. Because you can't look at a small sample size and be like, oh, Tatum averaged 30 points for two months. Oh, yeah, he's a top 10 player. No, it's like in my list, I mentioned Kevin Durant and Steph Curry. Kevin Durant was out all year. Steph Curry was out probably like 90% of the year. Those guys are better than Jason Tatum. I mean, if you know basketball, you watch basketball, you know those guys are better than guys than Jason Tatum. He will be there one day. He will get there. He will become a top 10 player. It's just he needs more time. He needs more um, – uh, what's the word I'm thinking of? Like when the playoffs come, if he has just an unreal – if he just, show, just puts on an absolute showcase, he needs to put his name on – his name got put on the map. But he needs to do, he needs to put on an unreal playoff performance for him to really climb those ranks even more. So 
It's just a matter of if he can do it consistently. Do I think he can do it consistently? Absolutely. But that's not something that I can say now. I can't say he's a top 10 player now. Give me a year from now, and my opinion could be completely different. Do you think Donovan Mitchell's in front of Tatum? No, I don't. All right, all right, all right, cool. No, no, no. I was just throwing out players. Like, I'm looking at this list. They have, like, Trey Young at number 13. Like, Trey Young's not the 13th. His defense is such a liability. Just bringing up Trey Young real quick. He'll be such a liability. He, he will be there one day. It's just not now, not not yet. It's the, these players have so much more that they have to add to their games. Like Luka Doncic, every player has their flaws. Luka Doncic, I mean, he had 30, 10, and 10. His three point percentage was just <laughs> poop, poop. I'm giving the thumbs yeah. down right now. It was just a garbage. Like there, there are things that players like that need to work on. Luka Doncic also isn't that fantastic of a Kaden. defender either. Tatum's finger roll. Tatum's finger roll. <laughs> the Dude, amount of it, finger rolls and, and teardrops bro, he missed this year. Just, yeah, exactly. At the, at the beginning <laughs> of the year, bro. It was so it's, a, like, it's, it's, it's clearly a, a, the weaker point in his game for yeah. some reason. His around the rim percentage was just so bad compared to like everywhere else on the court. And it doesn't make sense considering the guy's six foot eight, six foot nine, lanky as hell. He's missing layups. But like, you know, players have their flaws. Not for nothing. Something that people really don't respect a lot about Tatum is he's becoming a pretty, pretty good, like not good, a great defender as well. I think Jalen Brown has the edge on him and being a better two-way player at this moment. But Jason Tatum, he's not just going to be an offensive superstar. He's going to be a two-way superstar. It's, it's just the comparison to Paul George. I mean, I think that's really the closest comparison that he has right now, just being that type of player that can put up. 24 25 a game and then guard the, the team's best player like i just see him being that type of guy um and could be even better than paul george i'm just using that as kind of like a uh, a benchmark right now but jace tam still has more time listen he's only 22 years old to some celtics fans they'll always be 19 years he'll always be 19 in their eyes he's still, he so still young. 19 he's still on his rookie contract he still has plenty of years left and this isn't the best we've seen of jason tatum so give it some time i think it's i understand brian scalabrini is a green teamer he loves the team and he wanted to put jason tatum that high on that list but we have to understand that we can't look at that we can't say that as biased celtics fans we have to look at it as basketball fans and me and you are basketball fans and we both know that jason tatum is not a top 10 player so that's real 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 yeah go ahead go ahead it's interesting point you bring up about how Tatum's going to have a, a unreal defensive game, how Jalen Brown's going to have an unreal defensive game. We're already aware of Marcus Smart's defensive game. Daniel Tice around the rim is going to have a great defensive game. Gordon Hayward can still guard on defense. Like, we're talking about defenders, not even just scores on this team. Mm-hmm. You look at the team, it's the Great Wall of Boston, man. Like, you're not going to be able to <laughs> get by that, that defense. You won't be able to get that. by them, man. Like I, I we're we're gonna be talking about if this team can be built into what we imagine, we're gonna be seeing way more than scoring. We're gonna be seeing some defensive game going on. Like we we could be so, seeing something special on the defensive side for this Boston team. And these guys are so young, dude. Like Jalen Brown, and not even this like, year. Not even this year. I'm just saying in the future. Yeah, they're still so young. Just look to the future. They're both emerging as – Jace Tatum's emerging as a superstar. Jalen Brown is emerging as an elite two-way player. And Jace Tatum will eventually evolve into an elite defender as well. So we can consider him an elite offensive super, 
a, 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 a two-way superstar, what we'd have to start calling Tatum in a few years, because that's yep. just what he'll be. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's it's a little much of a reach to say Tatum's top 10 now, but he will get there. Um, we just got to be patient, and it'll happen. I mean, we were patient uh, to get to this point of the season. Listen, we had holding on to those picks, uh, no, not knowing what we were going to do with those players. I mean, it took us a while to get to where we are today, but that's what patience, that's what the grind's all about. That's what we do on Chasing Banners, man. It's about the patience. It's about the grind. The more episodes we put out, the better we'll get. You know, it's just you got to give the young guys more time, and eventually they'll grow, and they'll become Jalen Brown and Jace Tatum. Are, I mean, we're, we're not mentioning Jalen Brown here. Jalen Brown could be a top 15 player in a few years too. Like, legitimately, like that's the trajectory that he's going on. So it's just like, it's all about timing. They're still so young. They'll get there. Um, but yeah, Ryan, do you have anything else to add in? I think I mean, that's all I really have to say. Uh, there's a young duo not being talked about in the Boston area, and that's the duo of Ryan Sheen and Dante Turo coming up with we, the boys. Bro, we're, listen, we're being slept on now. Give us a few more episodes. Give us another month, few months. They're not going to be, they're going to know us. They ain't going to be sleeping on us anymore, man. This that's is episode, right. This was episode five of Chasing Banners. I say this every week. Uh, we just keep getting better and better. Uh, me and Ryan got the ultimate compliment last week saying that when we had our guest Evan on, he was like, you know, you guys record this podcast. It was our fourth episode, but it was like we've been doing this for so long. It's just like the chemistry is there, but it's like every episode we do it, it just keeps getting better and better. And it's just, I don't know, man. Like I say this to you every week behind in front of the camera, behind the camera, like, the sky's the limit for us. We keep putting out content. We keep grinding. I mean, we love this. We love this shit, dude. This is what we want to do. We love talking Celtics. Um, we love talking basketball. And I guess that will segue into, um, into our newest podcast we have coming out this week called Hoops Caviar. We are going to start up our own NBA podcast. This is so with Chasing Banners, since, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about basketball. We've kind of been bringing up stuff about the NBA as a whole. So now with Hoops Caviar, we're just going to be – that is going to be just the NBA podcast where we talk about all things basketball, not just Celtics-related. Chasing Banners is going to be devoted just to Celtics topics. And, man, like, we've done so great on this podcast so far. Like, every week we get more viewers. That's why I love and appreciate every single one of you that listen to us. Um, but we have that new podcast coming out. And once the season comes back, man, we're just going to have so much stuff to talk about. And we're – Sky's the limit. Sky's the absolute limit for us. Very true. Very, very true. It is the limit. And I think we just are getting better. We are talking about it all week. Like, we're always texting about what we can do, how to get better, all that stuff. And, man, I'm just here for the long haul, and I can't wait to just really, really get into this. And I'm really here for the fans, and I'm really here for the Celtics, and I'm really here for all that. I've My whole life, you know, I've just wanted to be a Boston Celtic. And if I can be a part of that one day and – really be a yeah. part of that team, not really on the court, but off the court, it'd be everything to me. So that's, that's what our, my grind's all about, man. That's our dream, man. And one day we'll get there. But for now, this was episode five of Chasing Banners. Next week we'll have episode six. We have a very special guest next week. I'm not going to give it away because I want it to be a surprise, but it'll be a pretty big guest for us. And we're both excited to have him on to talk about some Celtics basketball, some NBA basketball, and uh yeah guys my name is dante toro you can follow me on twitter at dante on deck there you can find the link to my blog you can find 
Uh, also, the link to our Twitter page for Chasing Banners, at Chasing Banners. You can follow us there as well. That's where we post our episodes and such. Ryan, plug your stuff in, my man. I am Sheehan. You can find me on 401 Sheehan on Twitter. Uh, Dante and I, like he mentioned, will be having Hoops Caviar coming up. I also have my own podcast. I haven't really plugged on here yet, but I'm going to right now. It's called Sheehan's World. So basically, I just have people come on and just shoot the shit, man. We get to learn about them and who they are. And it's just really a, a platform for people to learn about more upcoming young artists, anything like that in, in our area. So if you check that out, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, I love this show, so I can't wait for next week. Kevin Garnett episode was great. <laughs> I love it, man. And yeah, I, I was on uh, Ryan's, uh, I was on your podcast uh, a few weeks ago and everyone should give it a listen. Everyone should give his podcast a listen. It's a great, just great topics. He talks about just about life, just about motivational things. Like it, it's just a great podcast to listen to. So everyone should check out Sheen's world, but thank Appreciate you guys again that, for listening. Uh, of course, man, of course. Um, but thank you, thank you again, everyone, for listening. Much love. We appreciate you. We love you. And we can't wait for you guys to come back and tune in next week. So uh, peace out, everyone. Much love. Go Celtics. <laughs>